0: Sometimes I say I'm going to do a short episode and then I just end up going a little bit longer than I expected in the beginning. I'm going to issue a challenge for this episode. I'm going to say I'm going to do a short episode, but the problem is I'm here with my uh, Everest of trying to do short episodes. I'm Fred Katz, I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm podcasting after the Wizards win over the Magic 100 to 90, and... Last time I spoke to this person for a podcast, we said we were going to go quick after the game. We went 46 minutes. So Ben Standing of NBC Sports Washington, how are you feeling about today? You think we're going to go, like, 13 like normal people or Yes. All right. That's very, we're super quick. That was a really quick one. Uh, we're in Capital One Arena right now where the Wizards just won 100-90. Played pretty well against Orlando. I mean, the thing, we were just looking up the records, right? They're twenty one and twelve at home, and they're eight and twenty seven on the road. They're just wretched when they leave this building, and at home they're like pretty good and it's just mind bogglingly weird just um, the discrepancy I think they have the largest discrepancy other than Dallas between home and road winning percentage of any two in the league. maybe thats that's a little outdated. Um, they might go on a little run because of that though. Because they got 7 out of 8 at home. They won the first two in that stretch. Five out of their next six at home. Charlotte at home. Chicago at home. Like, these are some real potential wins. Do you think that that is actually possible? Are they going to blow the minds of Wizards fans and uh, make it closer than the current three and a half or back of eight? So, look, they, they haven't won more than
1: three in a row all year. I think their best like streak is, like, at four or six at one point. I guess five or eight is. I don't know. I'll let the math people tell me if that's better or worse. But whatever. It it's weird. worse. Yeah.
0: So I mean, <laughs>
1: so this is <laughs> a, right. as much of a heater as they've had essentially all year. And so the question is, can they actually string together some more? Of that and the good news for them is they've got three games at home. three consecutive yeah. games at home. So that's or, a good thing. Or is it
0: the bad news for them? Uh, we're gonna say
1: positive, but like you know, it's funny. Like you asked me before we started, like what's their? Well, you asked me like, multiple questions of which I couldn't answer any of them because I haven't been really thinking about what's their home record and or what they're on. But the the, the, the number I keep paying attention to is what's been their record since December 26, and that was the last time that John Wall and Marquise Morris played. And this is not about are they better with or without anybody. It's just a matter of that was a point when you just lost two starters essentially, and you know two of the four guys that you were at the start of the season said they cannot afford to lose. And yet, from that point, counting tonight's win, they are one game under 500 for a team that is what ten games under 500 on the year. That is a that's a long time. That's old, that's you know that, that's that's weeks that they've been able to be a 500 team. And I get it, 500 is not Golden State, but for where things were at the beginning of the year, they continue to be solid. And and even when, in their losses, they are largely tight games in which they are showing up competitively. Shots aren't always going to fall. They are short-handed. They were relatively speaking to other teams. I mean, John Wall's not playing anymore. Uh, and all that, and yet they continue to, 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 to step up and in a game like tonight where the shots were falling, Orlando you know, shot under 39% from the field. That competitiveness plus some good stuff that they're doing is giving them wins. So to the point of can they string enough together? Look, I mean, because the season is what it is. I, I, it's hard to say you're going to all of a sudden get together wins when you haven't. But at least I think they have a chance because of, that competitiveness that they've shown for the last couple months.
0: I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I'll preface it with that, but oh,
1: yeah. I, for the record,
0: same. yeah. But I, but I, 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 think they're, I think they're going to string a couple wins together here. Like I think they have a better than fifty percent chance of winning Friday against Charlotte. Second night of a back to back seems to just not faze them at all. the The weirdest Wizards stat of this season. Is that there's 1 in 10 on the first nights of back to backs and 7 in 4 on the second nights of back to backs? It is so stupid. It is a totally and completely ridiculous statistic. It makes no sense. It just makes no freaking sense. And yet, here they are with that number. Uh, I wonder. Like, they have a good chance of beating Memphis. Memphis is not good on the road.
1: Like, It feels like this next game against Charlotte is the pivotal one. I mean, realistically, Utah at the the end of the stretch, you know, based on what Utah has been doing, it just, you know, I don't know about that one. But
0: yeah, and and at at Chicago is is not going to be easy for them. Which is the one after that. Home for Denver is obviously not going to be easy for them. But like these next two, like you could certainly come within two in the loss column of the eighth seed by Saturday. That's totally possible. Yeah, no, and,
1: and Charlotte's a good test for multiple reasons. They're a team that's been a pain to them the last couple of years, but as a team right ahead of them in the standings. On paper, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to compete against them, uh, you know, again, relatively speaking. So, yeah, you're at home, take advantage of, of that, also get some momentum, and, and, and get it done. And like I said, it, just the fact that they're showing up like, we're not, we're no longer having these situations where they're, they come out of a game and look completely disinterested or asleep. Uh, and they're in it. And, and that's to some degree in sports. I know we all get caught up in all the, the hype and the highlights. That is the thing. You show up, you compete, and then you figure out, and hopefully, the breaks go your way to some degree. And they've at least given themselves a
0: chance. Eastern Conference, man. They're 29 and 39. And we're like they've given themselves uh, a chance. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable that that's the tone that we're taking. I mean, it's true, but it's just unbelievable that that's the tone that we're taking with uh, with this. You know, it's just this conference is totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, your phone's getting you're getting texts. Mm-hmm. We're vibrating in the I, middle of the podcast. I, I'll, I'll be honest.
1: It's, it's like I put – oh, this is an email. But, like, I put on, like – I'm also dealing with the NFL free agency. And, like, I put on alerts for, like, every insider in the league in my phone. I literally – no joke. Not yes not today, but yesterday. Oh, well, yesterday was nuts. I woke up at 6 in the morning. This is almost embarrassing. I woke up at 6 in the morning simply because Ian Rappaport tweeted that the Jets had signed CJ Mosley and my phone exploded. And I woke <laughs> up, like, what is happening? And that that's what it was. I was like, this is
0: ridiculous. Yeah, well, the Le'Veon Bell news broke at, like, 1 in the morning.
1: Yeah, that I was up for. Well, I'm typically always up. But 6 in the morning, I was trying to sleep for at least a little bit.
0: Good day to be a Jets fan yesterday. They've, le- 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 they've been interesting. Le'Veon Bell got Miles Plumlee money. That's the difference between... I saw that Le'Veon Bell got 4 52. And you know I, like, kind of stopped following the NFL. I'm a Jets fan, so... I guess I have to start watching football again. Uh, but, like, they, they get that. I'm like, that's what... Le'Veon Bell held out for. like my, The NBA has just totally ruined the way that I look at NFL contracts. Like He got significantly less than Jan Mahimi, and he held out a year to get significantly less than Jan Mahimi.
1: You, you it's know, just crazy. To one, me. one thing that's interesting like in terms of the comparison between the two sports, so one reason your Jets are in this situation, the Cleveland Browns, the Rams have been just gone, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract in the NFL and that guy can play at Baker Mayfield last year, Pat Mahomes, et cetera, you can go nuts and start spending all kinds of money at all the other positions because you have not much money at the most important position. In the NBA, it doesn't work that way, though, because even if you say get Zion Williamson... And you could have everything else. Like, you, you, you can't go crazy spending on the money because the guy like a Le'Veon Bell, he's going to want, like, a crazy contracts. So and that thing is guaranteed. So I, I was trying to think, like, because that's the key in the NFL right now, it feels like. Rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback contract, build around. I, it doesn't work this way, though, because of the, the guaranteed
0: money, basically. But what you can do is you can play your guys on rookie contracts and put them in the rotation. As the Wizards a, have done, is that a thing? <laughs> putting a, a guy on a rookie contract in the rotation, it is now because uh, this is that was my like B minus transition to Troy Brown, who I thought I don't know if it was his best game tonight, but he did play his best stretch of basketball. He had about a six or seven minute stretch. The bench was was the reason that won the game tonight. Jabari was Jabari was really really good. Thomas Bryant was really good. So Jabari had 19 and 9. Jabari had 21 and 9 in 28 minutes, and he was 9 for 12 in the field. And Thomas Bryant had 18 and 9. This doesn't make sense. Oh, I'm looking at plus minuses. That's why it doesn't make sense. So Jabari had 19 and 9. He was 9 for 12 in the field in 28 minutes. And Thomas Bryant had uh, 21 and 10 in 25 minutes off the bench. He was also 9 for 12. Jason Randall made his shots. Uh, Troy Brown I mean those guys were like plus 21 plus 23 plus 18 Troy Brown was plus nine he played with the starters some but he had like a seven minute stretch where he's running the bench offense like he's running even though Randall's back in the rotation he's really running the bench offense now and he's running pick and rolls he's doing spin moves on dudes he's he's getting to the middle of the lane and making nice dump offs to Thomas Bryant like he seems so much more comfortable today than he did two weeks ago, just in terms of the pace and making his reads and finding guys. He means, like, the, the dump off to Thomas Bryant was the highlight. Like, that was a really nice, no-look, bounce pass dump off between two defenders. That was a beautiful play. And that was the highlight. But he made, like, four, five, six, seven other really nice passes within the rhythm of the offense tonight. I feel like he's going to be a really solid passer. And he, Scott Brooks mentioned in his post game today, he thinks he's a really good rebounder. I I agree. He is, especially if you're going to play him at point guard, really good at long rebounds. He has this amazing knack for figuring out the trajectory of the ball and just being able to be where the ball goes. Like, I think I'm kind of in on Troy Brown. Not as like a, you know, an all star or anything like that, but I think I'm in on Troy Brown as like a, I think he's going to be a good player. I think that was a good pick by them.
1: So I've been on, you know, on Troy Brown the whole time. So, yeah, there was some question about his athleticism relative to the NBA and, and his shot wasn't great in college. But, like, I've liked his game throughout. Watching you know what I could see when he was at Oregon and kind of looking back at tape knowing that he might be impossible to hear and what he did in the summer league and what he did in the preseason and the G League and all these things. And when I watch him tonight, honestly, I don't want to keep harping on this, but because we keep talking about this all the time, you made the joke earlier, but what stood out to me tonight was I don't understand why he wasn't playing weeks ago. Now, oh, yeah. again, before this, but, like, that's, but, like, I keep waiting to see what the issues are. I get it. Again, when you had Oubre and Austin Rivers here, that's one thing, but... When they were gone, it just didn't make any sense. And you mentioned he looked more comfortable than he did two weeks ago. I don't know if you were saying this for that purpose, but this is now, what, six games in a row, give or take, that he's been playing real minutes, which is probably, I'm going to guess, somewhere around two weeks ago. And this is the whole thing, right? At some point, you just have to go with the, the situation where the, the upside is greater and the downside is not a big of a deal. It, it, you know, this is why when they went with Benjamin with Thomas Bryant – what was the worst-case scenario? He would be a struggle like Jason Smith and Jan Mahimi, but the upside was unclear but interesting. That obviously worked out. So you have to, at some point, play them, and that's been the part that this didn't get. Troy Oh, I, I will say this, there was a point when uh, when he wasn't playing much, and people kept on Twitter were saying, wow, get Jason real out of there, play Troy Brown. And I was saying, to be honest, I don't think that's the issue because if Scott Brooks isn't playing him, he's not using him at point guard. Right, because I mean, if
0: you, he doesn't even think he can play. He's not going to take a, I mean, he has. Pat he's also used him to guard really good players. It's like you'd think if Scott Brooks isn't playing him, he's going to try to hide him on defense. Like, no, right. he's putting him on Luca and <laughs> right. like. Right. And, he, and he has point guard mentality.
1: He played that in high school and all that whole thing. So it's not like he couldn't. But like, that's a big deal on the NBA level to run an offense. So again, if the coach is saying he's not good enough to play, then I presume we're not going to go down that route. And yet here we are. Um, I, I will throw this out because I'm sure. Oh, 12 minutes and 50 seconds, we got to go. <laughs> um, here's my question, though. So he's playing a point guard. Interesting, right? Just from a bigger picture perspective, ignore everything else. A six-six point guard. His passing skills. His good, good, good basketball IQ. Uh, as, as somebody, as I said to somebody before the draft, he is the anti oubre on like every level, opposite athletically, mentally, all that. If you're grooming him to play the backup point guard, what does that mean about Saderanski, though? Because of, because is a free agent coming up. If you're going into next year, if you're playing Troy Brown down the stretch to be a point guard, I know John Wall out till maybe February, but he's coming back at some point. Are you signing Saderansky to a multi-year deal if Troy Brown is hypothetically a backup point guard? I think that's. I mean, that's not for today. We only have uh, 40 seconds, but uh, that, that, that you I
0: know I, we're going over. I it.
1: just think that's an interesting <laughs> topic. It's something I'll, I maybe I'll think about it to write it at some point, but just. You know, I'm always fascinated by the asset allocation on the roster, As we're talking about the time with Brian Bobby Porter, same thing. Can you realistically bring them both back if Brooks doesn't play them together? And so that's something I keep thinking about. If you're signing Sadoransky to a multi-year deal,
0: wait, are you doing that if Troy Brown's your backup point guard? I don't know. I think that's that's a very good point. I will say, if you get Sadoransky on a reasonable deal, I mean, you could trade him. Sure. John Wall comes back, and then before the 2020-21 season, you could just trade him.
1: And, and has had a penchant about well, not viewing Saturinsky strictly as a point guard. He, he has right. more this year probably by the fall. Right.
0: I mean he's said that he likes Sato off the ball, he likes him as a three. I mean he's he's made comments like that constantly, and when I've talked to him about Troy Brown and I've asked him, so my comp for Troy Brown it's a little nipping. So my like Troy Brown comp, if I'm coming up with a with one, is like uh like not like Boston Evan Turner. Like that's what I think he's he's gonna be. Which is Evan Turner was a very good player. He got four years and 72 million. He got 20 million more than Le'Veon Bell, and it was all guaranteed. Uh, he was a very good player in Boston, um, and he's still a solid player. He's, he's you know, an expensive deal, but he's still a solid player. Uh, I, I think Troy Brown could be that type of guy with you know the versatility, and I think he's going to be capable of playing the two, playing the one, probably going to be able to guard multiple positions, guard ones, guard twos. In my conversations with Scott, he constantly compares him to Sato. He thinks he's the Sato type. So I don't know. And now he's playing him at point guard. So I don't know what necessarily that means because he's had Sato bounce around so much. And it's always felt to me like he's had Sato bounce around, not necessarily because of – I mean Sato is obviously versatile, but not because he cherishes the versatility, but because he just kind of – Pieces him in wherever they're missing something. Well, he's also, he's constantly to fill in. he
1: just has not consistently viewed him as a point guard. They don't, right. they don't pick up Ty Lawson off the street. Right. Well, because the player rotation, if he thinks that is the point
0: guard. And something that really said it. So I asked him tonight. I asked Scott tonight about uh, Troy Brown's cadence when he's running the offense. And Scott brought up the way that he responds to being pressured and how he still needs to work on that. And that's always been his thing with Sadoransky. That's always been – he's always wondered with Sadoransky, like especially early. I know uh, that was like internally a a, a thing for him, and that was part of why he didn't want to play him at point guard. I think he's less concerned about it today because I think he thinks Sadoransky is better at it today than he was two years ago. But early on, part of the reason he wanted to play him at point guard so much, he was so worried about Sato getting pressed, even though he wasn't even getting pressed that much. He was so worried about Sato getting pressed and thought that it just wasn't necessarily uh, going to work. And he kind of expressed similar, not necessarily concerns, because Troy's 19, but he, he, you know, explained it in a similar way when I asked him about Troy today. Uh, and so I, I, think it's interesting that he, he views them kind of so similarly. I don't know if that, if we can, if it's a stretch or not to say like, well, maybe he'll use him similarly to how he uses Saddle or not. Uh, But we'll find out, I guess, sometime. I mean, from an IQ standpoint,
1: I can get it. But Sato's way more athletic. Sato's a better shooter. I don't know if he's a better shooter at 19.
0: But Sato Sato is not a better shooter off the dribble. Correct. Correct. And, And if Sato is a point guard, like that's the thing that's weird about Sato. Sato... The disparity of Sato's quality as a shooter off the dribble, and his catch-and-shoot is larger than anybody else on this team by far. Sure. And Sato, Sato is a – he's made two pull-up threes in his entire career. That is crazy. And he's like 40-something percent on catch-and-shoot threes. Right. But the reason he takes so few threes is because he can't make and, – and doesn't make pull-ups. He knows he's not good at them, and so he just doesn't do it. Uh, and – Troy, I think, is a much more willing shooter. I don't know if Sato is necessarily a better shooter off the dribble than Troy. Like, Yeah, no, most, I, I think
1: that's fair. But I mean, uh, if, if
0: we're talking about them as point guards, like on ball guys,
1: that matters. Sure. And, and again, the, 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 the campus cap that's 19, I mean, the one thing we, I think we all probably agree on is that the one of you can improve is shooting. So I, 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 Troy Brown's form for me is fine. It's not like some funky thing. It's, you know, whatever, they can work with that. So in three years, if he's shooting... Whatever he was shooting in college, we'll have a different conversation. But I, I suspect that'll be fine. So today, there, there's a difference. But, uh, but yeah, is more athletic. That's the only reason I am yeah, totally quibble about. But, yeah, look, they're, they're, they're smart guys. They're interesting they're versatile. You can play them all over the place to some degree. They're both tall. So if you use them, you know, all, both on the court, you got some good size. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's interesting. I mean, I joked on Twitter that I was just going to spend the whole game staring at Troy Brown. Because to me, honestly – the playoff aspect aside, that's the only thing I'm actually interested in at this point. I mean, the whole team, it's weird. We don't know who's even going to come back. There's only three guys under contract. Uh, I'll come back to that one second. Only three guys under contract, so who knows? Everybody could be back. Nobody could be back. Bradley Beals, we already know what he is. So, you know, so Troy Brown, that to me is interesting. By the way, the the highlight of this game, it was the matchup between the two $64 million centers from uh who signed four year sixty four million dollar contracts in twenty fifteen. And neither of them <laughs> played. I thought Moz got free game I mean, and I was like, oh no, this is, he his contract set
0: the table for uh for the Mahimi contract. Yes it did, and for the Biombo contract and for the NOAA contract, all those centers got paid. Biombo got and then they all got traded for each other. None of them are on the team they signed with. Biombo. T- except for the one. Oh yeah. and the and and the and the, Dw- and the Dwight contract. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of kissing cuts and stuff going on there.
0: Yes, for sure. For sure. Uh, oh, right, Mahimi's the only one who's still actually there. But, like, whatever. They got swapped for each other. Like, Mozgov and Biombo just got traded for each other. Like,
1: that's right. not a uh, They almost did this for the last year, just for fun, trade Mahimi for Mozgov. Just for fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just because.
1: It's like, yeah, let's just go nuts. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, anything big coming out to plug?
1: No, uh, obviously yeah, March Madness is coming up, so uh, I'm focusing a lot on, on on that to some degree and looking at the different prospects. You know, uh, not gonna all of a sudden jump in and cover college basketball, but view it from the standpoint of here are the guys in March to pay attention to because the Wizards, something crazy happens, to have a lottery pick, and that guy will be the most interesting player in town for a while. Once uh, once we figure that out, so I'm just trying to look at some of those guys. Yes, he will
0: um, follow Ben at Ben Standig. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you look under your mattress. Oh yeah, you can check out my story on Steve Buckhantz at The Athletic, which is about Steve's eccentric hotel habits and upgrading habits and all that. Uh, and you can subscribe to The Athletic, and you can check that story out. Uh, that's on the Wizards page. It's up if you like search my author page. It's on there, and uh, you can find that story which came out. Tuesday morning. It's Wednesday night. Yeah, it came out Tuesday morning. I'll be back on Friday night. The Wizards play the Hornets. I'll be back after the game. We went over our estimated time, but we didn't go an egregious amount of time on this one. It's like a normal
1: length podcast. We're definitely way under the Vegas line for reality.
0: Yeah, (laughs) but we're over the uh, over our goal. Yeah, over our goal. That's okay. I think that's what we had to do in order to get to like a normal time. Uh, I'll be back on Friday after the Hornets game. I'll talk to you guys later.